salesperson starts starts out a new job. They have a pro, they have a product they need to sell, and maybe they'll be handed a hundred businesses to go after. And they said, "Go get them," and you'll try every which way to make contact with them. It's cold. You're a stranger to them. You don't even know if they need the product, and then you you just inherit prospecting obstacles by doing that way. So let's assume you spend hours and hours and hours, you do that, you hit all 100, and maybe you'll get two or three appointments, which is genus, by the way. Okay, but now let's change this. And you said, I'm starting out at a new job, and I have this product, and I have some allies in my database, and there's a complementary aspect to it. They may sell to the same type of decision maker, or even they just, they, they have a great business acumen, and they know who might need it. You contact that person they can look through their database of contacts, through the database of customers. And this is, I've done this for years. This is how it works. And then they'll get back to you and say, you know something, Mike, I looked through everything I know. These three people could use your product. The following is my conversation with Mike LaRusso. Mike is a sales innovator and an industry veteran with over 40 years of experience working in diverse sales roles for a multitude of organizations. By revolutionizing business development, data analysis, and project management, he's an expert in securing new accounts, leveraging data insights, and leading transformative ventures. He is also the author of The Sales Professional Survival Guide, a blueprint for tactical prospecting, a book that draws on his four-decade-long tenure as a sales consultant. Enjoy our conversation. Mike, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast, my man. Oh, great to be here. Excited to have you and excited to talk a lot about sales today. And I know we were just talking off air, laughing a little bit. You're actually the first sales guy I've had. So we're going to get into a lot of really cool fun and fun sales stuff. Uh, but just to start out, you know, I have a quick question. Sure. You've had a long career in sales. What was your first job in sales? First, first, it was uh, telemarketing, aluminum siding. I mean, if you're really going down to the technical where I got paid a W-2, it was mm-hmm. selling an aluminum siding. But in terms of the profession, uh, working for an organization, it was uh, in New Jersey uh, in the wireless business. Mm-hmm. And it was in the New York market. And if you want to get your sales legs, that's the place to do it at first. And you learn everything. So if you know New York, I, I pretty much handled Manhattan and the outer boroughs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get your lumps, but you learn a lot. And it's, it's the place to do business. Did um, you like telemarketing or? Yeah. N- eh. The problem with telemarketing, and I may explain this in our discussion, is that you don't get the success rate. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very arduous, uh, especially, you know, it's not as if like if you're selling uh, stocks and you mm-hmm. may get leads, uh, you handed a stack of leads and these are investors and, you, you know, it's a little warmer. But when you're cold calling aluminum siding, let's say, these are just people in houses. You don't know if the house is brick, if it's so it's just, you know, repetitive and the success, the success rate just isn't there. So. Got it. Happy uh, you brought up cold calling because I actually have a question on that later, but a quick follow on there. So you mentioned that the success rate isn't as high with that. In other kind of sales, I'll say functions, is there, are there different success rates you would say as opposed to telemarketing? In different prospecting methods. And that's mm-hmm. what the entire book is about. Um, and the key to this for sales professionals, you have to use the prospecting methods that have the highest success rate. Mm-hmm. But the problem, as I mentioned in the book, it's a big thing in the sales profession. A lot of time you're not allowed to because, uh, you know, management or whoever's in charge wants you to use that high activity thing, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's cold calling or those types of things. So it kind of benefits them, but it doesn't benefit you. So um, there are different levels, absolutely. And you have to try and use the ones that have the highest success rate because in sales, you're on a deadline. 
that's another aspect of the book I bring in um, that, you know, you'll say, uh, and this is part of trainings I've been through. Mm-hmm. They'll say, um, if you get uh, two appointments for every hundred calls, all you have to do is make more calls to get more appointments. But it's mm-hmm. not that easy because you can only fit a certain amount of calls in your deadline time, mm-hmm. in your time frame. So it's the, the rate of success that's important, if that makes sense. For sure. So one of the things that you just brought up was prospecting. And, you know, an interesting question here, are different sales prospecting methods you know, have higher closing rates or success rates by industry or it really, or kind of there's one prospecting method that's industry agnostic. No, it's, it's more by the method than the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's another key thing. Mm-hmm. Step back a minute. That's my special, my specialty is hunting, is mm-hmm. new business development. And the, ba- the book is based on that in my, in, in my background and then what I did to, uh, to succeed at that. Um, so depend regardless of the industry, uh, now, certain prospecting methods may work better in one industry than the other, but uh, it's it's more of um, which one works best for what you're trying to sell, and then you focus on that. Got it. So on that note, what are, what is your favorite prospecting method or favorite prospecting methods? Well, in my book, it's called the Alliance Process, which was created by me uh, over my 40 year. I did a lot of consulting work and really let's call it independent contractor. So mm-hmm. consulting's too fancy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd be hired by organizations that either needed to open up a new territory, move a new product, or even I've done a lot of data analysis to find new sales revenue in places that they didn't know they had. And um, I was on a deadline because I was usually on a six month contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to be able to find, uh, learn the product, find the, the target customer of the product and sell it within that time frame. And if you use typical prospecting methods like cold calling, there just wasn't enough time, let alone it, it never works anyway. The, the success rate is too low. Um, so I created a methodology that was pretty much all in my head. And you're, you're from the Northeast. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. be very biased here. But New Yorkers have a tendency in, in the Northeast. They just have very a business aggressive. acumen. And they mm-hmm. got a business acumen. They know how to do deals. And a lot of this was just all in my head through my intuition and my wits. And I did it for years and years. And then finally, it came to the point where I wanted to formalize this and write it down in a book as a manual for the sales professionals. Mm-hmm. And I had to give it titles. So, you know, it's just making it up. So it was tactical prospecting is the foundation and the alliance process is the actual prospecting method. And um, that's the best one. What it's based, would you like me to just explain? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. So you've heard of networking, I'm sure. Yep. Okay. You can't use that term anymore because again, it's, <laughs> it's oversaturated. Hi- well, it's been hijacked and it's just fancy cold calling. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, and this was in the eighties, it was more closely related to getting referrals and that type of thing, but getting referrals on their own, which is very important. Um, that's more of going after people and the people aren't, doesn't have any sort of characteristics that match. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit of random, but that's still part of the Alliance process. With the alliance process, you're creating what I call allies. And these are people who have a business development mindset, which I explain in the book, where you can go to and have an ongoing relationship for things Mm -hmm. you're trying to sell and they're trying to sell and you help each other out. I'll give you a perfect example. And this is the way it is in in the business. Um, Salesperson starts starts out a new job. They They have a product they need to sell and maybe they'll be handed 100 businesses to go after. And they said, go get them. And you'll try every which way to make contact with them. It's cold. You're a stranger to them. You don't even know if they need the product. And then you, you just inherit 
prospecting obstacles by doing that way. So right. let's assume you spend hours and hours and hours, you do that, you hit all 100, and maybe you'll get two or three appointments, which is genus, by the way. Okay, but now let's just, let's change this. And you said, I'm starting out at a new job, and I have this product, and it's, I have some allies in my database, and there's a complementary aspect to it. They may sell to the same type of decision maker, or even they just they, they have a great business acumen, and they know who might need it. You contact that person. They can look through their database of contacts, through the database of customers. And this is how it's, I've done this for years. So this is how it works. And then they'll get back to you and say, you know something, Mike, I look through everything I know. These three people could use your product. I told them they're waiting for your call. They want to see you. Now, I just cut out 97% of my time comparing it to the cold calling because I'm, I was handed these leads, so to speak. And now if you have multiple allies, which works, then it's exponential. And, Got it. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like networking in terms of the concept, but it's much more in-depth because you have different types of allies and you treat them differently depending on it. Got it. Makes you interact sense. with them different, differently. So it's a little counterintuitive because instead of going right away for kind of your target customer, you're going for maybe someone that knows that customer. So it's almost a warmer lead. So that that's way. the biggest difference. Like I said, tactical prospecting is the foundation. The foundation concept is instead of hunting for businesses, you're hunting for people. Now, mm -hmm. let's assume you don't have any contacts to go after. You can create them. And I show that as well. So let's assume I'm, I'm selling office equipment. Mm -hmm. and, and I've done this. I've sold office equipment and a complementary type of customer and product could be copy paper. That's mm -hmm. a, you know, a paper business. And there's salespeople who sell different types of paper and a lot of it is copy paper. There's an overlap. Mm -hmm. So I'd make them a, an ally with me and I'll say, let's go after the same type of customers. I'll send copiers to yours. You'll sell copy paper to mine. Mm -hmm. And then you can work both databases that way. As long as they have a business development mindset, that's the key. Because You'd be amazed how many salespeople just, <laughs> you know, I've I've met gardeners that have better business development mindsets than certain salespeople. Uh, mm -hmm. Can I can I run a, a quick test by you just to show you? Sure, go ahead. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, go but ahead. Happy, there happy is no there is no right or wrong. It's just a gut feeling. This is sure. a business development mindset, and this actually happened once. Mm -hmm. I was working at a company, and a new guy started. Very nice person. Didn't know what he was. He was being taught how to prospect the old fashioned way. He was sitting at his desk for three months, didn't get a single appointment. And his job was getting a little tenuous. And I felt bad for them because you know, normally I don't like to give advice. People don't listen half the time. And at the time, it's like, it's none of my business. I'll do my thing. But this was a nice person. So I went up to him one morning and he was like, Mike, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I said, let's step back a second. Now, this is to you, Daniel, as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. You're in a job. You're not doing well with the prospect. Forget that part. You're in a job. The manager comes up to you Monday morning and said, Daniel, you have 60 minutes to gain an appointment or you're fired. That's the scenario. You got one hour or you're mm -hmm. fired. Generally speaking, what's your instincts? What do your guts kind of tell you to do? Would you cold call and go knock on doors? Mm -hmm. Would you telemarket or would you call people you know? I, I only got an hour. People I know. That's the, that's the most credibility you have. That's right. And then what happens is, yeah, you may even call your own relatives because you're desperate, but that's the best way. And they may know people. They may know their uncle owns a business or their mm -hmm. whatever. Or you may call contact the last place you worked or, ex of course, your existing contacts. And then if that doesn't work, you, you move out in concentric circles to less and less um, familiar um, until there's 60 seconds left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you say, oh, what the hell? 
I'll just go knock on some doors. Now, mm. my point is, that's the desperation prospecting method. Would you start out doing that and spend mm. your whole career doing that? Of course not. And the successful sales professionals don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them don't even admit it. <laughs> so, anyway, if that makes the point. No, that's a fair point there. And I think a lot of the times people are taught right away, especially probably in modern society and maybe modern, I'll say less modern sales trading since you seem to know the more modern way. They're taught to go for the big fish right away as opposed to kind of going for these warm leads, which I do think right. is, is a much better approach. But it's again, you don't you can go for the whale. I mean, you can be happy. You don't have to go for them. But if you're going through allies, they can bring you the whale. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know it as opposed to, and this is, I have this one, part of the book is I put a lot of anecdotes to bind all my concepts together because I've been through thousands of sales mm -hmm. situations and they support what I'm saying. And one of them is a lot of the training nonsense that goes on because mm -hmm. none of them would ever do it themselves. And one of them is uh, they always tell, I've heard this story, I don't know how many times, you know, the perseverance story mm -hmm. where this salesperson looked at that giant corporation on the, word of way, on the way to work every day and said, I'm going to sell them and nobody's going to stop me. And he tried for two years or three years and finally sold them after three years. And they'd make it sound like that's a positive. It's like, wait a minute, it took him three years. <laughs> what did mm -hmm. he do in the three-year period? And besides that, it's, it's never a true story. Mm -hmm. Or let's assume it is a true story. And that one salesperson he's talking about did do that. What about the hundred others who said the same thing? And didn't mm -hmm. get anything except the pip or fired because perseverance isn't the way to do perseverance is a good thing but that's not a strategy it's a quality to have for sure but it's I'm happy, a, yeah i'm yeah. happy you brought that up actually because speaking of stories what was your mem most memorable sales story <laughs> positive <laughs> or negative <laughs> uh let's start let's start with the, let's say the most memorable um and honestly i know this sounds very trite but there are so many because part of being successful in sales is you got to have a creativity. Mm -hmm. The whole idea, I'll tell you one, don't worry, I'm not evading this, but all good, all good. You can, it's <laughs> I just want to make up the point. Like you say, say whatever you want. <laughs> it makes like I'm going off on a tangent just to avoid the question. I've been through hundreds of trainings. I don't know if you have. Mm -hmm. The problem with sales training is they always start the training with you sitting in front of the customer mm -hmm. and then the training starts because nobody knows how to get in front of the customer in the first place. Okay, so in terms of how to sell a customer, every training seems to be just targeted to the one pain point that that trainer encountered, and it overcomes that one individual thing. Mm -hmm. And you can't anticipate every pain point to know every training method. So what it comes down to is, and this is going to blow every trainer's mind, 90% of the deal is closed during the prospecting. Mm -hmm. The last 10% is just the negotiation. Because you can say, well, what about it? You sit in front of a customer and you may oh, it's, encounter an obstacle this or an obstacle this. And it's like, yeah, but it all comes down to one thing. A sales professional has to be able to think on their feet in front of the customer business-wise. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters. And I can tell you a story. Oh, oh, here you go. I reminded myself of the story. <laughs> and it actually promotes what I just said mm -hmm. about thinking on your feet. Uh, I was working in New York and close to entry level. And um, the second largest real estate company in New York, they managed 500 buildings in New York. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about real estate, every building is an independent corporation. It's like an independent yep. entity. I was, came from a small company and this chief operating officer was calling on all these vendors. It was paging, mm -hmm. you know, beepers, if you remember those. 
And uh, so I was kind of like the last guy in because we were the smallest company no one ever heard of. And the guy was a regular New Yorker and said, look, let's just cut to the chase here. He asked me some basics about the company and the product. And he said, I've had six companies in here and everyone said they can't do this. If you can do this, you'll have a leg up. Now, I was in the business three months and he said, can you generate a separate bill for every building? Because it was its own corporation, which was 500 separate bills, but it was 500 sales. So my first thought, now this, you know, when you think things through, it happens in a split second. But I'm, when I explain it, it takes a little longer. And I thought to myself, well, if every other company couldn't do it, I guess our company can't do it either. This is my thinking process. But I didn't want to give up. And I, then I logically thought it through. And this happened in a split second, trust me. And I said, well, if I was a Superman salesperson and I sold 500 businesses this month, that would be 500 separate bills. So there's no difference. And I said, yeah, we can do that before I even discussed it with our operations people. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I got the deal, which was the big, first of all, the biggest deal of my life, but it was the biggest deal a company ever sold. It was 500, it was actually a thousand units because there mm -hmm. were two per building. Now, is there any training in the world that can teach you how to overcome that obstacle? <laughs> of course not, mm -hmm. but it's thinking on your feet. Now the whole, the most important part is I got into this company to sell them. So mm -hmm. the prospecting was 90% of it. The last 10% was just figuring out how to close the deal. Got it. Interesting. If you don't mind me asking, what was the value of that big deal? Well, back then, a pager was $30 a month. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a better example. 50 pagers a month was quota. Mm -hmm. And this was 500. Got it. Okay. So um, 30 times 500. Uh, but... Um, and of course, it didn't all come in one month. It came in mm -hmm. maybe a hundred at a time, so to speak. That Got company it. eventually went bankrupt, by the way, three Got years it. later. No, I'm, I'm curious, curious to know uh, kind of what the operations felt about that, but we can... Uh, can... They were not happy, but luckily, the, the type of company it was, one of the owners was very sales-oriented, the other was operations-oriented. The sales-oriented guy, he, he saw the value. Got it. That's a, that's a cool story, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. And we'll get to another story in a second, but... Uh, to switch gears a bit here, I saw you said in another video that no call should truly be cold. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's it goes back to producing quickly because mm -hmm. you're under a deadline. So if you're call, okay, in my book, uh, part of what I've done is I created sales analytic equations to justify everything I said, mm -hmm. both positively and negatively. And what it's based on is time, like I say. So how much production is done by prospecting within an hour? And that's the common denominator. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell within an hour whether something's going well or not. Not a month or two months or, you know, that's, that's crazy. Um, so if you are cold calling, let's say, in the typical method, in my book, I show that it has a 1% success rate. So mm -hmm. I say, all, I'll step back again, all prospecting methods work. That is key. That's an important thing to know. It's not a matter of whether or not they work. It's how often they work, the ratio of success. Because if somebody hired me and said, I'll pay you 250 grand a year flat salary, but I want you to cold call, I'll say, fine. But if they say to you, I'm going to pay you 80 base and you can make the rest in commission up to 250, but you have to cold call, I'll say, no chance. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'm going to make the money. All right. So what I say is, Depending on the situation, maybe cold calling will work in a very rare form. You only attribute 
the amount of time to a prospecting method in terms of its success rate. Mm-hmm. So in cold calling, it's a 1% success rate, which not to get crazy with the numbers, but I have this all calculated out. That comes to about 10 minutes a month. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, what kind of strategy can I, det- can I create in 10 minutes a month? I said, you can't. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So cold calling is basically, eh, what the hell? I'm standing next to this building. I might as well go knock on the door. That's basically it. So by cold calling, um, you, you create a bunch of obstacles because they don't know you. You're a stranger. Mm-hmm. And the obstacles increase the time, which reduces the success rate. Got it. Interesting. So you're almost alienating yourself kind of from the success rate because you're just kind of reaching out to someone without any prior knowledge or without any warm leads. So Yeah. And the funny part about cold calling, forget about even knowing you. It's, it's literally timing on the moment you knock on the door, do they need your product? Mm-hmm. Because they can change their mind 10 minutes after they can change their mind 10 minutes before. So you're really just trying to time it, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Let me, let, let me step back and give you an example of why I created the, um, the, process, um, the alliance process in terms of speed. When I did consulting, well, like I said, I was on six-month contracts. So I couldn't – I had to produce quickly. So I had to create a way where um, if I was selling a product that had a six-month sales cycle and I'm on a six-month contract, then I'm doomed. <laughs> so I, I had to pre- produce quickly um, – to get appointments and then those appointments had to have strong closing ratios. Otherwise I couldn't make any money mm-hmm. because I was on a deadline. Now you take away my deadline as a consultant and sales professionals are on deadlines all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on monthly quarterly quotas. A lot of the times they're under the gun in terms of their jobs are on the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so you have to actually produce enough where um, you're not creating long, long sales cycles and long prospecting cycles. Got it. Fair enough. I, I appreciate the note on there. On a slightly different topic, and you mentioned kind of reaching out to those uh, to those leads and why cold calling doesn't work as much. But even with other prospecting methods, you know, there obviously isn't a hundred percent closing rate. I mean, as great as it would be, uh, obviously that's just not life. But uh, on that note, I'm, I'm sure you've had your fair share of kind of people saying no that this product service wasn't for them. So how do you handle objections from customers? I, I try and know ahead of time what would help them because you're mm-hmm. on the thinking on your feet type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to know what their pain points are ahead of time. And I'm using a very sales, salesy term pain points, sure. but how, you know, before I go into a customer, it's like, I try and figure out how is the product going to help them? Their bottom line, mm-hmm. part of what doesn't get done a lot and what isn't promoted a lot in training is you're talking business. Okay. No matter what, you're, you're you're talking business with these people, so you're trying to make a business, um, kind of a business argument, mm-hmm. instead of getting them to like you and gaining rapport and you know all those basic things you think about. So if I know ahead of time how this is going to help me help them, then that's part of the pitch. If they Got say it. they don't need the product, I'm going to tell them why I think they do, and if I don't know that, then I'm going to do be a little more consultative and find out about their business. One of the basic um, the basic ways of selling once you're in front of the customer, consultative it's called, but it's really just let's talk business. Like you and mm-hmm. I said, we had a conversation. If I get in front of the customer, they want to see me, the prospect. So I've done this, I can't even tell you how many times. I start the conversation with mm-hmm. Daniel, great to meet you. Um, give me a 30 second overview of your business. And the overview is always 10 minutes. <laughs> but the important point is 
I know my product better than he does. He knows his business better than I do. He tells me what's going on in his business, and I know how to align my product to his needs. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it easier. Instead of me saying it does this, it does that, and you know, and then all those crazy, uh, you've heard those acronyms that they use in sales, and mm-hmm. you know, it's all just pissing in the wind. Yep, fair enough. So more yeah. leading with value as opposed to just leading with how great your product is. So How does it help you as a business person, me being here? Because honestly, if I can't sell you and I'm just coming there for the hell of it, it doesn't help me either as a business yep. person. Then I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Fair enough there. Mm-hmm. On a similar note, do you think you learn more from the wins or the losses? Oh, both. I mean, the losses actually. I, if I had to say it because... The way I prospect, there's no mm-hmm. unproductive sales call. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you, you come across the one nut, you know, who's like, they make up every excuse in the book and it turns out that their brother-in-law sends, you know, sells the same product. You can't right. do anything about that. Mm, that's life. Um, you know, that's life. Yeah. And you're not going to get it. But getting back to something you mentioned, and just to show you in terms of the analytics, um, Depending on the prospecting method, the more successful it is, the greater the closing ratio. We discussed that. Mm -hmm. So if time is the most important element in your prospecting, the alliance process can reduce the time to prospecting to a virtual net zero amount Mm -hmm. of time. And you say, how can that be? How can it be zero time? It's because you're creating allies that you feed each other with, with Mm -hmm. potential business as, as, as an addition to creating other ways to business development. So they're giving you leads. It's like when you're trying to sell that whale and perseverance was the way to do it. I don't need to do that if it's handed to me mm-hmm. because you have an ongoing business development relationship with these allies. And it's, and I mean, ongoing, like it's long time. It could be months and years and you help each other out, mm-hmm. Got it. you know, and, and that's the way to do it. Um, the Alliance process, and this is the figure I wanted to give you <clears throat> and the metric number doesn't matter, but I create mm-hmm. power metric numbers depending on the prospecting method. The, the typical cold calling sales call has a number of 0.0125. Don't worry about what it means. Mm-hmm. The alliance process has a 1.95. So it's 1.95 compared to a 0.0125. The alliance process compared to typical prospecting methods is 156 times more productive, over 15,000% mm-hmm. because of the closing ratio of that power, the speed to get to the appointment and the closing ratio of that appointment. So it's like silly to even think of doing it a different way. Mm-hmm. Got it. Fair enough. So it's, I mm-hmm. think I see what you're saying regarding the math, not that the one that you just mentioned, but the one on before <laughs> regarding uh, the kind of alliance that you're having in the sense that you're saving or getting to the net zero time, because as you're forming those relationships, they're looking out for maybe potential prospects and that saves you your personal prospecting time ahead. So it's a really, a really interesting note on there. And I appreciate mm-hmm bring that up and definitely something sales leaders and just business owners can take a lot of value away from on a slightly different note and still on topic of sales, but I'm sure you've heard of AI probably every, every Mm -hmm. other hour these days, since there seems to be a new startup in the space, kind of every other second and a ton of money uh, flowing into there. But from your experience and from your perspective, what impact do you think AI will have on sales? AI in terms of, okay, now, you know, there's different levels of AI. They call everything AI. Mm-hmm. And really, a lot of it is just writing an email for you, mm-hmm. you know, but in terms of AI is I'll be basic first. It's fantastic for my type of prospecting if it can be used in the way it should, because it's the time saving saving element. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's certain industries 
where you've heard of key, key performance indicators, uh, mm-hmm. KPIs, et cetera. I know from my experience that uh, plus, you know, just coming across prospecting, decision makers at organizations, presidents, CEOs, if you could ping them in an email or leave them a voicemail, they have key performance indicators that are, that are key to their mm-hmm. business. And if you can say my product can reduce this or help your certain and you tell them whatever performance indicator it is, mm-hmm. they're going to be all ears and they're going to want to meet you and see you. So that helps with closing the appointment. Now with AI, it'll come to the point where you say, I'm going after um, you know the computer industry. I'm selling software to the computer industry. What is a key performance indicator for this for this vertical? Got it. They know it. They can determine it. I'm sorry, they AI because <laughs> mm-hmm. they know it because they can research it and gather it, and it's up to date. A lot of times it's real time, and now you can form a communication mm-hmm. to do it. That's where AI is the time saving element, because if cold calling is a one percent success ratio. I'll have a machine do it, you mm-hmm. know, machine, quote unquote, because it, it's not using my time. Mm-hmm. And then whatever it gains, it feeds me. So now I'm on the appointment and that's all the time that I expend going on the appointment, if that makes sense. Got so it. if it can, if it can take the place mm-hmm. of the low uh, productivity prospecting methods and do that for you, and it's using that time then it's a home run because now we're more on an even playing field of all the prospecting methods. Got it. Fair enough. It also saves you time because, you know, for better or for worse, it doesn't have emotions and it doesn't get tired or sick. So it can really uh, streamline a lot of those uh, human processes, at least. As long the, as it's uh, accurate. As long as it's reaching into the accurate uh, database. Exactly. For that's, sure. that's, a, that's a very key thing. You know, is it, mm-hmm. is it grabbing the right information or not? Got it. Fair enough. I, I appreciate the, uh, the note on there. On a slightly different topic, so you know, a lot of sales teams, the way they're set up is they have these very traditional hierarchies. So you have your kind of basic salespeople, sales manager, sales leader, maybe regional sales leader and onward. You know, speaking about those leaders, the ones kind of right above at least the uh, kind of initial salespeople, what do you think the biggest mistake is that a sales leader can make? Uh, (laughs) Not allowing a sales professional to do what their talent allows them to. Because mm-hmm. there's it's too um, it's too hands-on micromanagement to, mm-hmm. in essence, you know, protect the sales the sales leader. Um, here's here's one of the reasons that the book is so so revolutionary is that it it creates the I mean it, it explains the environment that everyone's in and mm-hmm. it comes down to human nature which is one basic thing. That uh, and these are, uh, I, I go over a lot of obstacles in the book that sales professionals face and have to overcome because it, you know, that's the whole point of the title, the survival guide. It's financial survival because mm-hmm. I can have all the talent in the world to be a sales professional and do things my way, but if you don't let me, you know, then I got to sneak around to do it, which has happened. But it comes down to this: sales is a performance-based compensation profession, so mm-hmm. I only get my compensation depending on how I perform, but I'm controlled by people in a guaranteed salary position. Mm-hmm. So if they don't suffer by the wrong decisions that they're forcing me to, to, to engage in, then it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, the only saving grace, which doesn't exist anymore, is turnover. So mm-hmm. if sales professionals are not doing well because of the mandates they have to follow, then they're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And it's like it comes to the point now where it's almost a, uh, a feather in their cap for a sales to fire a salesperson because it's showing you being tough with the sales team. Mm-hmm. But that's the only profession in the world that works that way. 
Mm-hmm. I've worked at organizations where entire sales teams have been flipped year after year. Mm-hmm. Imagine that happened in the accounting department or the IT department. And they would say, wait a minute, why is everyone in accounting quit or being fired every year? You know, they would go to management. But it, this is the only profession where it's like, good job, you got rid of the uh, dead weight. But it isn't the dead weight because of their ability. And then kind of like the vicious cycle goes on and on. So the short answer is they don't allow you to do what your talent can gain you. The second is most sales managers, when I say today, you know, it's a very uh, general term, but they're put in that position because of their product knowledge, not their Mm -hmm. sales management knowledge. Got it. Interesting. So it sounds like, you know, to kind of go in reverse order of what you said, really misaligning, you know, people with their knowledge and what they're supposed to do. And also the first thing, putting a leash on a racehorse when you should kind of just let that racehorse do its thing and, and not sell for you. A hundred percent. That's a great way to put it. Got not it. allowing the resource to do its thing. For sure. Appreciate uh, kind of the discussion around there. On another note, and I would love to hear your thoughts about if this is something that's still prevalent today, but a big part of sales is storytelling and telling a story. And in my humble opinion, storytelling is probably one of the best skills that you can have because I think what really gets people to do something is if they're really captivated and sustainably captivated, which is something I can get into later. But from your perspective, what role does story playing t- play in sales these days? Now you mean to to the customer, the prospect? Yep. yep. Okay. And let me just be clear. Storytelling is more of in terms of case study or just gaining rapport or both? Uh, let's say gaining rapport. Okay. It's important. Mm-hmm. Make, let me put it this way. It's not do or die, but it makes the whole sales call easier. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I just, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be biased, but maybe it's a New York thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a sense of humor and I can get somebody on the phone that I've never met before. And I can find little quirks and things to make them laugh about. And it really breaks the ice mm-hmm. and makes them feel comfortable. But then again, I've gotten people who do this, you know, so um, it's very important. It's not crucial mm-hmm. case study in terms of a storytelling is probably more crucial because now you're creating a business scenario for them that makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, the, some of the basic ones are if uh, you know, you're selling a certain type of customer and you say, well, I'll say, why do I need your product? And you say, well, your main competitor just got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the reason he got it. And then they're, it's like, wait a minute. There's two things they think about. Um, they're going to have an advantage over me. Mm-hmm. Okay, in terms of extra revenue, but also they can steal my customers because now they've got more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so it creates that kind of, uh, you know, uh oh factor. Got it. Okay. But it says, you know, what it comes down to is you're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen disasters with salespeople I've been on calls with. I d- I've done a lot of, I've had a lot of jobs where I actually recruit. Uh, types of customers and then hand them off to a regional manager and I've been on the call and it's just incredible how they destroy the whole rapport of, of what was gained first time. They just have no ability and this is with certain people mm-hmm. to to like understand their 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 emotions and their needs as a, as a yeah. person. You know, so Interesting, interesting note in there. Actually, on a similar note, I just thought of an interesting question. So have you ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street by any chance, the one with Leo DiCaprio? hundred times. Uh, okay, only a hundred times. <laughs> Not only that, I, I'm actually pretty good. I don't want to say the term student, but I've, uh, it's his methods uh, of, uh, you know, George Wilford's method. Yeah, but go, go ahead. ahead. 
Oh, well, this is we'll, going to be fun. We'll, 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 we'll emphasize at, like uh, use of his methods in an ethical capacity. We'll, we'll put that out there. It is. Really... No, it's probably, I mentioned sales training. That is the best sales training I've ever heard in mm-hmm. terms of being in front of the customer. But go ahead. So, um, the, what I wanted to say, there's like a famous scene. So there's actually twice uh, in the movie, but he goes to someone and he's like, sell me this pen. And the first time, basically, the, the way he successfully does it is, okay, I can already see your head shaking. Uh, he well, no, he to, does it right, but go ahead. He, he go asked ahead. someone to, to write their name on a piece of paper and the guy's like, oh, I don't have anything to write it with. And he's like, supply and demand. So do you think that scene is like a really good metaphor for the whole sales process? hundred percent. And the reason I can say it... I'm going to give you three, and I hope I remember them. Number one is I've been through through my consulting and you know just jobs. I've been through hundreds of interviews. You either you know analyzing the company, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This is actually an anecdote, the last one in the book, and I'll give it away because it's I really love it. It's so good. I've been asked that question in interviews. I mm-hmm. can't tell you how many times, and it's the dumbest thing in the world because they never accept whatever you say. Mm-hmm. See the problem with role playing it is the the role player never takes the sales position the role mm-hmm. they always take the customer role because mm-hmm. it's easy to just keep saying no yeah. i'm not interested i'm not interested you know it's easy oh why don't you show me how to overcome it so i've asked that dumb question i can't even tell you how many times mm-hmm. secondly that's the perfect answer mine is the perfect answer but i'll tell you mine in a minute because it's you know i've i've even said at times they don't even gather it. It's like, sell me this pen. And I'll grab the pen from them and he'll say, uh, listen, um, a friend of mine just called me and said they want to buy a thousand units of your product. Write this number down. And I've mm-hmm. done that. <laughs> and they don't see the, he'll grab a pen off his desk like this mm-hmm. and do this. Then, you know, they won't see the, the metaphor in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But short answer is yes. Supply and demand. Now, in my way of doing it, like I said, virtual net zero time frame because you're creating things that are coming to you. The last anecdote in my book is one of these interviews I've been in and I tried to explain how I do things, my types of methods, and it, they just don't absorb them. He grabs the pen in the middle of the conversation and says, sell me this pen. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you weren't listening to a word I said. That's what I'm thinking. So I took the pen and I said, I don't have to sell it to you because the way I prospect, you're going to invite me here to buy it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. You're getting the prospect who is interested already. You're not creating interest. Mm-hmm. And that's the only difference between Jordan Belford's way and my way. But I'm not got saying it. his is wrong because it's both kind of the same thing. Got it. But yours is a little more like this will help you. His was, uh, we'll just call it a little more um, unconventional. This is more of, you know, it's it's the reality. It's not the nonsense you're taught where uh, feature advantage benefits and, uh, you know, close the hole in the rabbit fence and the AIDA. And that's just pissing in the wind, like I said. If I don't know, uh, if I can't create a need, I'm going to need to know why you need it. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I'm just grasping at straws. Got it. Fair, fair enough. I, I appreciate you answering that and kind of a uh, specific explanation there. Um, but you brought, to get, some, you brought up some psychological scars. No, that's, that's good. I hope they were. I hope they were positive psychological scars. It bears the thing. But uh, to get a little bit back to your career, you know, you've had a really long, successful career in sales and helped out a lot of companies and have helped a lot of companies grow. But knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? About sales or in general? I'd say, get back, don't go into sales. <laughs> <laughs> about, about sales. 
about sales, I would be, it would be more of trust what you're doing because too many times, you know, you're, and not, it's not a matter of trust alone. It's, you know, you have to listen to your boss, mm-hmm. you know, so it would be just do what works and let the chips fall because I've been, the reason for the title, the sales professional survival guide is of all the, the companies that I've done um, consulting for. Mm-hmm. And it's over 50, okay? probably over 90% no longer exist. And not a single one of them is, is gone away because of a lack of sales. And mm-hmm. that's the tragedy. So not only is the companies and investment capital and sales professionals livelihoods, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's your own livelihood that you're trying to protect. So it would be you have to do what works and mm-hmm. you know, always have a backup. <laughs> Got it. Fair, fair enough. I, <laughs> because I there's too much. There's too much of this turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, for the wrong reason. I think. I think that's deep. I think a lot of times people try to. I'm not saying deadlines are bad. Deadlines are good because you want to see some kind of result. But I think a lot of times, you know, maybe leaders or company leaders are a little too harsh and they don't let things kind of come to fruition as they're supposed to. And they're they're a little more aggressive than than maybe they should be patient. Or that yeah, they're being aggressive because that's the only method they know. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, the close, the close, you know, yeah, the close is good, but that's not a method. Got it. <laughs> you know, so- that's a thinking on your feet and saying, you know, some, I was in a sales call with my sales manager once we went there and this was a New York guy. So he was a little bit like, okay, I'm to the point. Mm-hmm. It was 10 minutes of pitching. He said, fine, let's do this. 10 minutes. Okay. Which doesn't happen a lot, but it, you know, wasn't too long a sales cycle product. And I'm about to write this up and the manager says, well, hold it. Let's slow down. Maybe you should demo the product first. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I want to buy it right now. <laughs> and they get caught in these, uh, you know, in these silly types of sell me this pen thing. It's like, no, this is the strategy you're supposed to work. No, this you is worse first. You do yeah. second. It's like, no, he wants to buy it now. He's giving me money now. <laughs> you know, and a lot of that goes on. You know, it, and how it relates to management. I was in a, um, was working in an organization and a colleague came into my office at five o'clock and he, he comes in with his arms in the air triumphantly saying, I made 74 phone calls today and I got two appointments. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got two appointments today. I didn't make any phone calls. Now, the point I'm trying to make is if we went to management, which we kind of did, but a different reason. And we told that story. I would be reprimanded and he would be uh, complimented for putting in all the activity. Doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't accept the fact that it makes the guaranteed salary professional uh, more um, secure in their position. Maybe I think also people put too much emphasis on the science when it's science and art. And they don't really, that art is really the, the human aspect of doing it as well. Or, or what I call talent. And, you know, some mm. people have talent for it. I mean, everyone has talent for it. If, they're, if you're good at it, mm-hmm. everything takes some kind of talent. Uh, but if the talent gets stymied, which happens left and right. Mm-hmm you know, then, then what are you, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then who suffers? You do. They don't suffer. They just churn you and bring in somebody to replace the, uh, you know, person in that position. I was in a, we did a, um, there was 11 people, 12 people in a sales team. And um, it was January. We had a sales kickoff and we all had to do PowerPoints on our, uh, our business plan. for the like upcoming Bezos, year. Sorry to interrupt. Bezos hates PowerPoints. I, I feel like I had to throw that out there. You know, some, and what's funny about that, um, 
Steve Jobs always had that, which kills me because they always post this. Everyone posts this quote on LinkedIn. Like, mm-hmm. if you know what you're talking about, you don't need a PowerPoint. But it, they all do PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> anyone who even it's true. I hate them, too. I've never I, I don't need them because mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about or I I'm going to listen to the prospect and I'm going to respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. But it, as it relates to that, we had to do PowerPoint on our upcoming uh, year, what we planned on doing. And by the end of the year, I was the only person left in that company. Everyone else was either fired or quit. And I said, well, what was the point of the, the business? Nobody in their business plan had that I'm going to find another job mm-hmm. <laughs> this year. So it's all kind of, again, it's, it's, it's just making management look better mm-hmm. for no reason. So I'm, I'm sure you've you've heard of uh, the the ABCs, the always be closing. Maybe we can yes. replace that with with ABP, always be prospecting. You know, it's even more so. ABT, always be thinking. Always be thinking. You're allowed to think. You're running a business. You're a salesperson. You're running a territory. Just think. Got it. And I've been that's reprimanded for thinking before. A, that's a shame. <laughs> it seems you have a lot of fun thoughts, but on on the note you just said, what's one thing you think salespeople can do every day to get better? Um, use my method. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, I'm not going to say cold call. Or, mm-hmm. You have to find, get better at finding contacts who can get you into your target. Mm-hmm. That's a simple way of putting it, but it's the alliance process. Because look, I'll step back again. If you're starting out in a territory and I'll use the networking thing, mm-hmm. okay, just to make it clear. Let's assume you're starting, you're brand new. You don't have a single customer in your, which has happened. You don't have a single customer in your territory. How are you going to find them? You're going to network. You're going to try and find contacts who can get you into. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a sales quota for yourself, this is a more, this is a better answer for you. Start out with a referral quota for yourself. I want to find, X, let's assume a hundred units of whatever is your quota. I want to be able to establish a balance between, um, referrals and sales that equals a hundred. So if I'm starting out with no sales, my quota this month is I got to get a hundred referrals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then those hundred referrals will get me 20 appointments and sales. So now next month I got to get 80 and then 20 and then it'll be 50, 50 and then it'll switch mm-hmm. because eventually by getting these referrals or getting the contacts who can get you into a target, you're going to increase your appointments and your sales. And then the only thing you have to worry about is you can't just let that take up all your time. You have to keep filling. I, I'm not going to say funnel. You got to keep filling this side of the sheet with mm-hmm. referrals. So, um, again, if you were sitting there, let's assume it was your first day instead of your third month. You said, got okay, it. what are you going to do to get business? I'm going to contact people I know to find out who, you know, gain referrals. Because a referral, a referral probably has an 80% uh, rate of getting an appointment and a 40% closing ratio. Mm-hmm. Got it. Referral calling is 1% and a 10% closing ratio. So you're doomed. So to go, <laughs> go more with, with prospecting as opposed to just, or and referrals as opposed to just uh, cold emailing, I think, or cold calling. I think that's really good advice. But I wanted to ask on a parting note here. So we mentioned Jordan Belfort earlier, but as I've mentioned, you've had a really long and great career in did sales. I say enough, did I say enough positive around him? Enough in positive. Years, yeah. <laughs> in, case, in, case, in case he listens in years, we're, yeah. we're, we're, uh, you know, a lot of positive content here, but clearly a wealth of knowledge in sales. Uh, I have to ask you this on a parting note. Who's your favorite salesperson ever, other than yourself? <laughs> I don't know that many. <laughs> I mean, it would be people I work with. Um, mm-hmm. It would be an owner. 
the owner of the, one of those companies. He started out in sales, Got it. and uh, he was. This was. I'll tell you why. It was very <laughs> way back when. I'm talking 50s, 60s. He was he was selling in territories and it was a commission only type of independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And you could cold call them because you can get into buildings and you can speak to people. So cold calling was the way he did it all. And he hustled and hustled and did it. And then by the time I was working for him, I wanted to hire telemarketers. And he said, no, it'll never work anymore. Now, this is someone who made his whole life on cold calling. So the mm-hmm. whole point that he was able to you know, adjust and change his viewpoint according to what was, you know, what was happening. And listen, he, he made himself a millionaire. That's, built that's a business great. Doing it, so. that's great to hear. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that memory, but Mike, it's been an absolute blast. I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing all those uh, anecdotes and, you know, sales tactics that you've learned through the years. And it's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Daniel. I had a good time. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Michael Russo. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show on Spotify, drop a comment on YouTube, and subscribe.